Hello, you're listening to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. If some of our discussions and tips are working for you, why don't you grab a 15-minute call with us at ecommercecall.com. We'll see whether we can help scale your e-commerce business. We will quickly see if we're a fit or whether we can recommend someone else to get you where you need to go. The worst case is you'll have a fun 15-minute chat and regardless, you'll come away understanding a lot more about your business. Book a call at ecommercecall.com. Hello and welcome to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. This week, Ian and I are going to revisit the market square test. So let's get started. Hey, Ian, how are you? Good morning, Mark. I'm very well. Good. Are you? Nice to hear from you. Nice to hear from you again. Um, I to you all the time. It's true. It's to be a to be honest, yeah, it's like, and our guest today is Ian Hammersley. Never seen him before. No, anyway. <laughs> um, what we're going to do today, we're going to go, we're going to revisit the market square test because it's an important part of our model. And I think that at first glance, it kind of looks like uh, a kind of price comparison exercise, which it, it kind of is to some degree, but it's only a very small part of it. And so we wanted to kind of talk about that and, and, and re-bring it into one of our, our, our main areas for the model. Mm. So um, it was actually your idea to bring it in, Ian. So why don't, you, why don't you bring everybody up to speed with what your thoughts are on that? And I'll bring up the notes whilst you're talking. Yes, yes, of course. Yeah, so the market square test, it's something we've talked about for years, really. And it's the, it's the notion of imagine if you walked into a market square well this is where the original idea came the reality is now it's a it's a spreadsheet that you fill in but the original concept of it was that if you walked into a market square and everyone in that market square was selling the same things that you were so you were a market trader and as a punter you walked into that market square and you had the ability to compare very easily who was saying what, who was selling what, um, what the stores looked like, what the, you know, what, what, how, they, how they were laying out the products, what the offer architecture was like, was the, was the, was they, were they saying you can, you know, there's offers available, what were the pricing, et cetera, et cetera. Basically, what did the whole store look like? And the reason why we used that concept is because we wanted to take the frills out of e-commerce. We wanted to come back to the most basic type of selling which was where we all started selling stuff on, you know, on market. I mean, I'm talking about mm. before shops existed. And the other, the other context of this is we used to say, like if you had a market stall on wheels, you'd be able to roll your market stall wherever the traffic was, et cetera, et cetera. So we came up with these, mm. these original sort of concepts of what the market square test, and, and, and then it's evolved over time. And now it is, a, a process that we make all of our customers go through and all of our own e-commerce businesses we go through this and we don't just do it once we repeat it over and over and over again and essentially what you do is you take your top 10 best-selling products or products that you want to go and learn more about you go out into the market which is google and you find who's who who is who is doing well so if you're selling a particular product you come up with about maybe seven or eight different competitors who are in that space 
either they're coming up in Google Shopping or they're coming up in text ads or they're coming up on Facebook, i.e. they're advertising. And you go through the experience and you're looking at price as one thing, you, but you're also looking at things like delivery charge, you're looking at things like delivery time, you're looking at the wa warranty they're offering, how they are reducing anxiety. So are they, do, are they doing a returns policy? Is it 14 days, 365 days? Is there an offer architecture? Is it a welcome offer? Things like that. And you're noting down all those in, in, hard, in hard facts and then you're comparing it to your own. And you are asking yourself that brutal question is if I'd never heard of my own brand, who would I buy from? And mm. it's such a simple, no frills way of, of looking at e-commerce. And it's especially relevant to people if you're selling other people's products. Because often if you're selling other people's products, the, the, the person that wants to buy them has already made up the decision that what they want to buy, they're a little bit further down the buying window. And if you're selling other people's products, the desirability tends to already be there in that product. So then you have to convince them why, to, why you should buy from you. And, you know, I've, I, I, I have seen, I have seen the race to be won, won here in this market square test you know, for certain businesses. And, we, and we've got people that, you know, are doing 10, 20 million who have then stuck at 10 or 20 million. And we forced them to go back into the market square test and their eyes have been opened again to see why. Because you can often tell the story about why certain people are dominating certain industries because they've 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 got a better value proposition a better competitive offering there's something they've answered that million dollar question which is why buy from you so the market square test just forces you to take the fluffy stuff away for a second take the soft you know the brand feeling away and just look at the hard cold facts are we competitive in this market mm. because if you're not competitive it's yeah. going to struggle I think I think originally originally the powerful thing we were trying to do was I think a lot of people and we we first started I mean when we first started we were working with a lot of retailers who were going online and a lot of retailers had learned how to sell at a physical location and then they wanted to sell online and then it, it was kind of like the, the market square test was a way of us kind of showing them that things needed to change so they basically went in you know you say well you're selling saucepans yeah you're selling um, you know, I don't know, Kumricon saucepans, and you're going into the market square. In the market square, there are 100 shops selling Kumricon saucepans. So why would someone walk to your store and buy the Kumricon saucepans from you rather than anybody else? Mm. And as soon as you realize that's what you're dealing with, someone who's been in physical retail suddenly goes, oh, I'm on the high street and everybody on the high street is selling exactly the same thing as I am. I need to have a reason why someone would come, come and buy from me. And that's why we first started with it, because yeah. it gives people a really big eye opening experience that kind of going, oh, it's different than than what I used to, you know, what I'm used to. Yeah. Doing. So actually, do you remember, I was actually I, I, I remember the, exactly the reason why we started the market square test It's because we were, we were working with a, a watch, a, a retailer selling expensive watches, weren't we? They were selling tags, mm. tag her watches yeah. online. 
and they kept saying, "We're not. Why aren't Why aren't we scaling? Why aren't we? What's mm. happening? What's happening? What's happening? Why aren't we scaling?" And so we did a market square test, and we found out that the the all the other competitors were offering either same day collection or free next day delivery. Mm. And the company that we were working for at the time had a seven to ten day delivery. Yeah, and the price was the same. Same yeah, because price. price was controlled. So price was yeah. controlled. So it basically became about all the frills around it. And of yeah. course, who can get it to them fastest? It's, you know, price and availability and price is fixed. Yeah. So it's availability. Yeah. Um, and that's why we did so, it. And that's what we showed. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there was someone today I was looking at today and, and she was saying, look, my, my, my sales are stored. You know, what's going on? And I, I looked at the business and I, I thought, well, you know, she was selling stationery and candles and, um, and, and Christmas cards and things like that. And she she designed her business as a wholesale business. So the business has been designed to have, you know, if you went into like um, like a country shop or, or a museum shop, and that museum shop is people are in there, they might buy a candle, they might buy some cards or something that looks pretty. And they buy it because they're in that shop and they want to buy something because they've gone out and it's, it's nice and they're in the situation. You take those products, which would be right for those kind of like boutique shops, like, you know, those kind of nicely touchy-feely kind of shops um, that my wife loves and I can't get her out of. Um, it's basically the products that, you know, to, would make sense. So you do one candle, you do a couple of hand cleansers, you do things like that. But you move those products online into the online marketplace and you've really got nothing unique about your products that makes someone buy it so that it's very different to for someone to buy a product that they happen to be out in the Cotswolds in a nice little village and they pop into a little card shop stationery shop and they buy something because they're right there it's right in front of them and it's it's fun but if you move that product online you have to be serving a niche better than everybody else because otherwise you're literally in a market square where everybody's selling little pretty cards and everybody's selling little hand planters and your products that you design for a little shop are not the kind of products you would sell on an online business because yeah. it's different you know let, let's say you went into that market square test and you've got a deodorant yeah so you've got a deodorant that lasts seven days and everybody else is selling a normal deodorant you've got one that still lasts seven days and you're people who want a deodorant maybe it's a thick one made of zinc i was talking to a guy yesterday and he's got he's got this product and you know people who would use it would be people who are going you know, on a trek for seven days or camping or something like that, or like, you know, they're just really active and they just kind of haven't got chance to take stuff with them. And so therefore you, you, you're, you're, you're for a certain part section of that, you know, customers coming to that market square, you'd have a decent proportion of them who would might go and buy your product because it's very different than everybody else's and it's a serving a different niche. So you have a reason why people would go to your store and buy it if everybody else is selling deodorant. Um, and you, you, you need to kind of have a reason why you can. So what would um, you say in that example where she's selling uh, lots of small you know, face cleansers, which works in a lovely Cotswold store, but certainly online, it's it's going to be difficult. What would you do? Would you would you bundle them together in like a hamper and things like that? Well, you can, you can do, do you can do a kit? nice price. You could do a nice kind of um, gift bundle and things like that. But I think fundamentally it comes down to what is the recruitment product? So in mm. her case, sure, she can sell all her stationery and all that stuff to her existing emails they bought from her, and therefore they're on her list, they like her and all that kind of stuff. But she, she needs a couple of products that she can use to recruit. So, you know, it could be like, 
um, I don't know, like, like maybe she could go after like blind Christmas cards, like with Braille on them or something like nice designs, with, you know, like so that then it's and then it's a specific uh, yeah. niche that she's going for that, 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 that you can't find. You couldn't walk into a Cotswolds shop and get a Christmas card that was beautiful and had Braille on it. You know, you know, it's, it suddenly becomes something different. Or perhaps she um, so, she can do something like people who've got eczema or something like that. Yeah. Something specific. Well, what you say, which is interesting, because what you say on the market square test actually wouldn't show you this. Because the market square test would take the top 10 products that you have and compare yourself against what's happening in the market. And then you make the decision who you buy from. But I can think what you're saying here is you couldn't find there's nothing on that sheet that would give customers a reason to buy. Yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't distinguish yourself from the other hundred no. people in the market. And therefore, you're just going to be like, you know, it, it's like everybody. A long, long time ago, I went to a, a networking event in Oxford and everybody around the table, they kind of introduced themselves and says, oh, I'm a designer. I work with small people. I work with big people. I work with corporates. I can pretty much do any design you want. And like everybody kind of said that. And I was like, no, you can't do that because no one in the room, no one in this room can put the hand up and say, yes, that's me. You know, um, you know, if he stood up and he say, said, I work with uh, with tech startups um, and I'm very focused on doing tech startups and I can give a branding that's going to take you to the next level. If you know, like how many customers did he want to get out of a room out of 100 people? Like five. Maybe if he said that, those five tech startups would have been able to put their yeah. hand up and go, yeah, that's that me. All the time. You hear that all the time, yeah. don't you? Yeah. 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 See, in our industry, you know, on the, on the agency, when we put our agency hat on, yeah, you, you see agencies saying, yeah, we work with small companies, large companies, we work with everybody. We've, you know, we've got a lot, you know. And you think, what are you talking about? It's the worst thing you could possibly do. Yeah. In a yeah. But anyway, coming back to this market square test. Um, yeah. What it's doing is it's trying to force you to look at the competitive offering that's out there. And I and and I give you another example I think where I've seen it to be really powerful. So we were we were working with a sporting somebody somebody was selling hockey equipment online. It wasn't actually hockey equipment, but I think it was so significant that it was another sporting company. But I won't say what it was. Because they probably, I'm sure they will be listening and they'll be laughing. But we did the market square test. Well, with, actually, they did it and they followed our process and our spreadsheet. And we went and did the market square test. Now, in in the hockey industry, the prices are fixed, so that it's got leading brands, very brand driven, and um, it's it's very much prices are fixed, and everybody's selling the same products online. And but one of the biggest anxieties that you have when you're buying hockey equipment, the hockey stick, is if I don't like it, what happens? Can I change it? I'm worried about it. And so when you do the market square test, you go through all the big players, the top ten, and there was one of them that was doing fifty million, and the rest of them were doing about five to ten. But there was one dominant player, and you look at it and you go they do you know the price is the same why are they so successful and one of the things that the market square showed was that they had a a no quibble free i think it was 60 days um Mm. a 60 day free exchange program where and it was the promise that you'd play better hockey and if you didn't play better hockey with it 
after 60 days, absolutely no quibble, they would swap it for free. Mm. And they'd mm. do that as many times as you wanted. And so they'd hit the biggest anxiety head on. Um, biggest anxiety was, what happens if I don't like it? I can't try it. So obviously mm. I want, I'm worried about that. And not only had they hit it head on, but they they realised that that was the biggest anxiety. So they'd amplified that visually everywhere. They throw out their yeah. whole site, homepage, on the category, on the product page, on the basket page, on the remarketing emails that came, um, mm. behavioural remarketing emails, on the Facebook remarketing emails, everywhere. They they made sure that everybody knew that this was their big offer, their 60-day no you know mm. no no quibble free exchange promise that you have to play better hockey, and they really really pushed that. And, and none, none of the others had done that. You know, the others were hiding the returns policy and the terms and conditions. They were hiding it within the tab on the product page. They weren't showing mm. it, shouting about it. So obviously, if the price is fixed and the availability is, is the same, then of course, who are you going to buy from? Mm. You're going to buy from the one that gives you the best, best value proposition. So I, I, I just keep, I keep seeing this, and I think it lots of people in e-commerce want the next shiny thing. They want this this shiny magic wand, this module that's going to come in and plug in, it's going to you know do some crazy segmentation, personalization, and mm. it's going to revolutionize their conversion rates. Whereas nothing, in my opinion, is as powerful in growing your e-commerce business than doing the market square test, which is literally what we would be doing for hundreds of thousands of years in retail, which is which is looking at our value proposition, our competitive offering. Who are we up against? How are we going yeah. to buy from us? So it's very interesting when people come onto the 20K core group because I, I, I there's a questionnaire that I ask, and, and one of the questions I I ask them, maybe unfairly, um, because obviously a lot of them are startups, is you know, why would someone buy from you rather than someone else? Yeah, and I reason and I, I ask they them, say. Great customer service. Yeah. yeah, they always say things like, oh, we're a family business. We really care about our customers. We've got really good quality and all this kind of stuff. And you go and you and you and and like then you go and look at their website and you obviously 10, nine times out of 10, there's nothing mentioned about customer service. It's very hidden away. There's no obvious. There's no amplification. And, and also at the same time, there's no guarantee that that is why people buy that product. You know, it's, it, 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 you know, if you're listening to this, I mean, I used to listen to podcasts when I was first started, not podcasts, but like listen to people talking and then be saying, what's your USP? What's your unique selling point? And I was like, oh, it's such an annoying question to ask because I couldn't answer it. Couldn't answer the question. And because I couldn't answer the question, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't the fact that, that, that because I ignored the question, it went away. It was there. That question yeah. remains and the market is brutal in that unless you have and you can answer that question, like look at the one Ian was talking about with hockey sticks, is that, you know, they understood. First of all, they looked at the market. They had the, the, the you know, the, the smarts to work out that the biggest anxiety for buying hockey sticks is actually using it and having to return it. Um, they took that risk away from the customer. And, and knowing that maybe that was a big risk for them, maybe if they, everybody starts returning it, they don't make anything. But they obviously see an uplift from it. And then they amplified it. 
they went, right, we now have a USP. We have a unique selling point in the market. And now we want to make sure everybody knows about that because we, because that's why people should buy from us. And it's very subtle in that it's, it's, it's not subtle. What I'm trying to say is it's not, it's not like rocket science, but at the same time, it's like the most powerful things are simple. You know, like when it, when it works, it's, it's so yeah. simple that when you, when you, before you did it, you were no, you had no idea that you were going to do it. And you had no idea that it existed. Once you do it and you implement it, it seems so simple that it's almost comical you didn't do it before. And that's when you know you've got it right. Yeah. You know, like when Ian talks about the hockey stick company and he said, oh, they're going to give returns, they're going to do stuff. It sounds so obvious because it's so simple and it makes so much sense. But if you go and try and do that in that market, you'd come up with hundreds of little frictions from all part of the companies and all part of the industry saying, oh, you can't do that. You were stupid to do that or that. You should, you know, like it, it's a big thing to do. Yeah. And, and so and you've seen a lot of these yeah. big e-commerce brands come out and do these big de-riskers and they've come from nowhere and, and, and massively um, increase their sales into the multi, multi, multi millions yeah. because they have amplified a core key message of a unique selling point that, that, that the consumer cares about. And it's, it's sometimes as simple as that. Yeah. And I think, uh, and the, the next thing is, is to say that once you, you've done your market square test and, you, and you've gone through, and I'll just touch on something quickly, but I'll come back to it. So the, so, so the thing that we always do alongside the market square test is the anxiety and job to be done work. And, the, and that's where you look at the reviews of your competitors and yourself. And the most amazing thing now is that you can do that. Your competitors' competitors' reviews are out there on Trustpilot or FIFO, and so you can so you can start to see what people love, which is what they rave about, and what people moan about with the negative reviews is what they get anxious about. Mm. And you feed that into the market square test too. And then when you come up against a friction point like the returns policy, for example, you know if this exchange. You know, this 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 mm. hockey club hockey stick exchange problem. You know, the the first the the accountant in you will say, well, I can't do a sixty day no quibble free exchange promise because that's going to make my returns rate go up, mm. and that's going to mean my, I, I'm going to erode margin, and that means my cost per acquisition is going to go up. But it doesn't. It's the cost for all these mechanisms, if you were going to do free delivery, free returns, um, you know, 365 day, no you know, warranty, whatever you decide you need to do in the market, it's it reduces your cost for acquisition costs. Mm. Because and the question is whether it, incre- it yeah, reduces it enough to cover the yeah. cost of, of exactly. doing it. You yeah. have to test it and you have to try it and you have to push it and you have to see. I mean, Mark, Mark and I have always said, you know, we would go if we were doing this, we would go into a, a new market with our best foot forward. So we would. So let's say if we started selling, you know, I don't know, oak stalls, you know, we would we, we were going into a new market. We would we would take away all of the risk and launch with that. And if it 
worked, we you know we'd be thinking great. If it didn't work, we want it to fail fast, and we don't want to look back in six months' time and go, well, maybe it was because we you know our delivery was slightly too expensive, or our returns policy wasn't wasn't obvious enough, or you know there was you know our price point wasn't good, or our offer architecture wasn't good enough, or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We want to fail fast. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, so it, it, it's it's very important to kind of combine it. And the, the other technique we use is, like Ian said, is the anxiety analysis. And then um, the other one, which I'm going to introduce to you tomorrow, Ian, is the is the interview, the the the, the stacking interview. Um, and the stacking interview is about interviewing your best customers using the job to be done methodology. So the job to be done methodology is finding yeah, just out to, about your for, just sure. talk about the anxiety report and, and the job to be done because you coined this or you can you, yeah. you brought it to our consultancy group so what just tell us the concept of it so the anxiety analysis um i think i think back in the day tim ferris said something about look at the middle of reviews and so i was like well tim ferris says look at the middle of reviews and I, I thought well that makes sense so what i started doing is like if i was going to a new market say i was going to start selling bed sheets I'd go and look at 500 reviews uh, on Amazon of someone who'd, you know, people who bought bed sheets, and I'd be looking at like reviews at three, three and below out of five. I'd look at 500 of those, and I'd get some of my VAs to then go and put them into buckets. I'd like to say, start seeing, you know, oh, that one's about quality, that one's about stitching, that one's about um, complaining about comfort. And so I got my buckets, my classifications for each the of the uh, the review uh, the bad reviews, and usually I'd end up with about five buckets. And then every time I found one that went into one bucket, I'd be go, okay, that's about comfort, and that goes into the comfort column. And then you have the kind of bar chart, not, not bar chart. What they call those one, two, three, four, and then across whatever that is. And you count uh, those. Yeah. Yeah. You count them basically. And then at the end of the analysis, after five hundred, you go, well, holy crap, I've got. Five, 450, uh, you know, maybe 350 of these about comfort. So, like, when people are annoyed, they really are annoyed about comfort. And then I might dive into a little bit more about that and say, well, it's scratchy. And, and, and then what I'll do is once I know the key anxiety points that I need to kind of convey that our product isn't, I'll then start going through those reviews for, say, say it's comfort and scratchiness and start mining those reviews for common phrases that the customers are using. So I was doing it yesterday and it was all like, you know, there was one of like hotel linens and scratchy and uh, frayed at the edges and fraying and stitching and all those kind of things. I started bringing out the phrases and then I'll use those phrases, um, A, to kind of understand what kind of imagery I need to show. Like, so I'll like, okay, everybody's worried about the stitching. I need to have close up of the stitching, yeah? Uh, or I now need to like start talking about how comfort it is and how well built it is and the structure of it and the fact that it's hand sewed and you know everything's quality. You know, like I, I start getting the, the copywriting flow of what I want to do, um, and then aimed with the anxiety analysis and the copy flow and the and the market square test, I then have a very good idea that if I walked into a hall with a hundred stores selling bedding that I could I could position my bedding as the one to buy because I would be amplifying all those all those those key things or the main key things that's come out from anxiety as the reason why people buy from us. So 
I'd find the anxiety, then I'd, I'd, I'd find proof that that, that, that that anxiety isn't going to occur with us. So in the case of the hockey sticks, the anxiety is not in the hockey stick itself. Well, everybody's selling the same hockey sticks. Everybody's selling the same, you know, one, two, three model hockey stick, green hockey stick. So the anxiety isn't the, is that hockey stick right for me? It's like, what happens? Well, it is if it isn't, but who do I buy that from that's going to be, who's going to cope with the fact that I might want to return it in, in the easiest way? So that becomes the, the unique selling point. Whereas if I already was selling a different hockey stick, it would be much more about the product itself. And it'd be like, well, how? So the bedding, for example, a lot of everybody sells dip their own bedding, their own brown bedding. It comes down to why should I buy the product? Um, not necessarily about, you know, and the vendor. So trust the vendor and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So they kind of run hand in hand, the anxiety analysis, the market square test, and then layering on top of that would be the job to be done interview, which you can only really do once you've actually got customers because you actually need to dive into it. You only need seven customers to get that information from them. Mm. But that, that you kind of have a stack there that, you know, someone like me who writes a lot of copy has enough to work with. Um, and I think the biggest mistake that people think is they think that people like copywriter me that I sit down in isolation and I just pour out this beautiful copyright and then, and then it all works amazingly now. Like good copy is built not not it's not created it's built and it's built from this this process and and when i say copywriting i'm also talking about the videos and the creative and everything that comes out of that because that's what we're trying to demonstrate especially with yeah. facebook ads and we, things like that that i think we, in, we order, can overcome in order to write a good copy yeah it, it actually embodies the entire value proposition for the for the company doesn't it and the product so yeah and the voice and the voice the so point, you have to kind I of think, like be able to but get it across it, in the right voice don't you and you can't yeah and you can't do it you can't do this exercise once you have to have a process of continuing this in your business yeah and, and getting better at improving and adding and enhancing to you know your products and your categories i mean we, we were working yesterday you know we, we've got a we've got a big strap presentation to deliver um tomorrow and and this is a big big feature of of tomorrow and they're selling other people's products they're doing 15 million want to get to 50 and um and they're they're at the point now where they can't spend any more money profitably you know they they you know they they need to double their traffic but they can't because they they, they're unprofitable so we have to get more out of their existing traffic and we're going to do that through the market square test and the anxiety work and understanding mm. the job to be done and continually feeding that back because there's, they're, they're missing so much aren't they I mean, another mm. example my famous little story was the story of the sheds buying a sheds i you thought you're going to bring up your car battery story then again oh no that's no that's next that's next your houses must be full of sheds and car batteries yeah exactly like, yeah uh, so maybe sheds, sheds full of car batteries well what this is this is the shed story is that everybody's selling the same sheds, all coming from the same UK manufacturer. And so when you're buying a shed, it's the same goddamn shed that you're buying from, from whatever, www.iloveshedz or shedsrus.co.uk, whatever. The, the, The same shed. But by, and I don't know whether or not the company did this, but this is an example of how you'd find this information out. One of the companies said they come with, 10-year anti-rust galvanized nails 
and and all the other companies just said they come with nails. And so when you read that one of them says, oh, I come with 10 year anti rust galvanized nails, you then start to think, wow, bloody hell, I don't want I don't I'm not going to buy my shed from anywhere else. I've got to buy it from this company now because they come with 10 year anti rust galvanized nails. Now, they all came with the same nails. They were all anti rust galvanized nails. But because the company had said they come with our famous 10 year anti rust galvanized galvanized nails, of course, I'm going to buy from them. And that's and that's the sort of nuggets you find out in the reviews. If you look at your competitors reviews. And it says, you know, I love the fact that the nails come and they're they're they're, they're beautiful. They're big galvanized anti-rust nails. Like the, you know, I feel really good. I've trusted. Or I put the nails in and a year later they started to rust. You then know that that's a, that's an anxiety that you mm. can then push. And you may then go out, actually. If you see lots of people are moaning about the nails, you can go out and get better nails, can't you? And then you can make a big thing that you've got a zinc plated anti-rust technology mm. and that they're not going to rust. You're the only supplier to have. So you can you can tweak the value proposition. But you only find out about this if you're looking at the reviews and you're asking and you're at, and you're finding this feedback. And so you have to do it continually because things will change. And the market yeah. will change and people will do it. So you have to have a process of doing that for all of your products. And it's different for all of them. We had, we had this for, um, for a homeware business that was selling cushions and sofas. And we were looking at the, um, the, the, the little table, what was it? Sturdy tables. The little, small little coffee tables. They wanted them to be sturdy, didn't they? And they, they liked mm. it when it was sturdy. Mm. And they did not like it when it wasn't sturdy. And yeah. You then I mean, have you to demonstrate that. Yeah, you demonstrate yeah. that. Put it through. Yeah, yeah, and I think you you see that in, in a lot of these the, the big advertising through years. Some of the best adverts, you know, they found something that people care about. That they they think you know like um, Nike Nike did it big advert. So they you know they they wanted to show that their their products were really comfortable. So they kind of like oversize it. They make they have a, a shoe that's huge. And then they have people falling asleep inside it. And then it shows that it's really, really comfortable. You know, it, it's, you, you find what people need to understand and then you kind of expand it and make it bigger and make it blatant. That, that, is, yeah. that is the thing. And those are some of the most successful adverts in the world because they're so simple and you get the message very quickly and it's vision yeah. done visually. So How do you start um, this? Because I think you, you, the client that we were looking at, well, that we're talking to tomorrow, they've got, I don't know, 20,000 products. Um, I think yeah. you were saying pick your top 10 best sellers, do this for them and yeah. then go through well, process of improving yeah. the photography, improving the copy, improving the anxiety. Make sure that make sure we are addressing we are addressing visually in the right places those key anxieties. Yeah, and you what do I that did, what I did is I, I pulled off, I pulled off all the products from Google Analytics. And then um, I then worked out because like a, a good conversion rate optimization could potentially increase the conversion rate by 30 percent. And obviously, if you increase yeah. the conversion rate of a product that's a low value by 30 percent, then it's um, then it's not going to be as big as, as a high value product. But obviously, you sell more of the small value products than you do the, the high value products. So what I did was is I listed all the products out onto an Excel spreadsheet, had all the conversion rates and all the revenue that come from those products. I then increased the conversion rate by 30 percent 
and worked out what revenue we would get from that product that increased the conversion rate and then worked out the product revenue minus the, the old product revenue and see which gave me the biggest uplift. And those are the ones yeah. that you want to work on first. So you want to be working on products you're selling a decent amount of that have a decent average order value that that kind of together um, has the has the biggest bang for your buck. And yeah. it was quite interesting which ones it was because some of the products, you know, like $2,000, whereas some of the products are only $10. So doing that gives you a list that you can work down. And then the 20th, you know, the top 20th percentile actually increased the revenue by about 80%. So those are the products that were massively that's really important key. to go and increase. It's really key, isn't it? Because otherwise, if you try and do this whole exercise across your entire business, I mean, you, A, you probably wouldn't start it. B, you wouldn't mm. be able to finish it. And it would be, a, it, you, you need to get the biggest bang for your time, isn't it? Which is why that prioritization is key. And we're having a roadmap that's prioritized um, yeah. to give the biggest bang for your time. It's biggest bang for time, I think, not necessarily biggest bang for buck. Yeah. Even though that's important, but it's making, you know, you've only got so much time. You have to spend that time doing things that are important. And that's why what you just said is key, isn't it? You know, if you're going to go and do the market square test and the anxiety work and then, uh, and then come back and ask yourself, are we addressing this on our top selling products and that makes sense because you're going to get the biggest mm. change biggest improvement you've got to work out where you want to work and 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 the thing is we're just sitting with so much data that it's just obvious you just yeah. got to pull it out look at it see what i mean the, the advantage is i obviously i know how much i can increase the conversion rate because i've done it before you know like if uh, and that that makes a difference so it's just it's just kind of prioritizing mm. thing and using the Pareto's rule Top 20% drives 80% of the revenue. Who, which of those products? Where do we go? Which ones do we want to increase first? And then you look at those top 10 products and say, well, well five of those top 10 products are nursing chairs. So nursing chairs, if I suddenly understood that category more or even added a couple more nursing chairs so I could get that killer category for that category, then I'm seriously going to affect the overall revenue of the yeah. store without having to change, you know, 2,000, 3,000 products. And then... You start to dominate that category and Google starts to realize that this is the dominating one and it starts mm -hmm. to then like you and then say, ah, these are the guys that actually have a great, great range of nursing chairs. Yeah. Therefore, yeah. I'm going to go. And then so that's a bit like going back to your original example about you know, selling Braille Christmas cards, i.e. Yeah. You know, you look at a particular category and do well. And I think that's 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 the right idea. You know, find a category go into the market, see who's doing well, make sure you do better. Go and, yeah. and don't, don't, don't optimize anything else until you've got that nailed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just it. kind of, it's just understanding that you just have to have a process, you know, like every time you come up with a new category or you want to revitalize a new category, you have a three-step process of doing it and working out what to do. And if you, if you are going to do the copywriting yourself or you're going to build ex, uh, uh, you know, export it, at least do a lot of the prep for them because, then they're going to have a much better fighting chance of understanding what what the key points are for it. Yeah. So awesome. So okay. thank you very much, guys. Hopefully um, you've learned a little bit about uh, the market square test, the anxiety analysis, the job to be done interview. Oh, by the way, on the Facebook group, I've been putting in a bit of free trainings, maybe one or two or three a week, depending on. Um, how I'm getting on and one of them one was the this week was the interview was the interview with um, you know how you do the jobs to be done interview so if you're not a member of our Facebook group um, 
please uh, please join it because I'm going to be dropping more free trainings in there. And I'll, I'm making them available probably for about four days. And then, then we're closing comments. So if you do see something you want, grab it, grab it whilst you can. Um, and then, um, uh, yeah, so it's a really good group. If you haven't got access to it, please uh, get onto it. I'll try and do, I'll try and put up, there must be a link on the podcast as well. Um, but if you just go onto Facebook and you just uh, search for Hammersley Brothers, I'm sure we'll come up. Um, so get in there. Those, those are free trainings going in there. And I'm making a much more of an effort to build um, some really good resources in that, in that group to, ha- to help people move along. So, yeah, thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. All right, speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.